Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the OmniTalk Ask an Expert series. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazenga. And we are the founders of OmniTalk, the fast-growing retail media outlet that is all about the companies, the people, and the technologies that are coming together to shape the future of retail. Today, we are turning our attention to a topic that Ann takes me back to my gap days. Oh, man. Yeah. Way back. The salad days of youth, Ann. Oh, my gosh. Back when I was in planning and distribution. Back to khakis and jeans. Yeah, it was 1999. The khaki swing commercial was the craze. Yes, I forgot about that commercial. I'll never forget that time. It was a formative period of my life, Ann. But it is a topic that always gets me excited and amped up. And that is allocation system design, Anne. I know you're yes, pumped. obviously. Of course you are. And joining us to share his considerable, and I say considerable expertise on this subject, fresh off of seeing them in New York at NRF recently and heading into Shop Talk is Manhattan Senior Director of Product Strategy and Allocation Expert Extraordinaire, Scott Fenwick. Scott, welcome to OmniTalk. Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. I feel like I finally arrived now. I've made it to your show. Well, what a title. My goodness. I mean, Chris, you really rolled out the red carpet. I, I'm pretty pumped for this. I was so, I was joking with Scott before we hit record. Like, I, I'm really geeked up for this. This is one where I'm going to wonk out on. Uh, hopefully that hopefully that's good for everyone. Yes. Well, before everybody is like exposed to Chris's extreme wonking here, um, <laughs> before we get into our discussion with Scott, a quick reminder that for those watching this interview live with us right now on LinkedIn, please feel free to ask your questions at any time in the chat session window to the right of your screen right now. And Scott and the Manhattan team will be there and ready to answer if Chris gives you an opening because he's got a lot of questions, a lot of questions. to ask. Let's get uh, wonky in. Let's yes. get wonky. All right. Well, Scott, before we get started, we kind of like to hear a little bit of background on our guests. Yes. Um, so tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you oversee at Manhattan, please. Sure. And um, so I'm a part of the product strategy team at Manhattan Associates. I oversee our inventory solutions, which is primarily our demand forecasting, replenishment, allocation, and sales and operations planning. I've been with Manhattan now for just a little bit over 27 years. Oh, my God. You're a legend. Like a long You're time Manhattan for somebody legend. as young as myself. Perhaps. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Long, long time, but it's really not that unusual. We have a lot of folks in Manhattan that's got 20 year plus uh, tenure, uh, just a great place to build your career. Um, but my my primary focus is really, I like to think of it as, as uh, solving problems. Um, I love to work on meaningful problems. I love to, to build solutions that we can be proud of and, and drive real value for our customers. Uh, and that's really what I, what I do as part of my day job. Wow. 27 years. That's our second longest tenured guest. I think 29 yeah. is our record, right? Yeah, Lori Weston, so. I think. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's cool, Scott. All right. Well, Scott, let's get right to the point here today. For those watching, those listening, why allocation? Why are we talking about allocation systems? What? Why is that so important? Yeah, Chris, it's an interesting question because for us, this was a easily a 10 plus year decision to jump into the allocation space. Mm. And that's yeah. not just because it took us that long to build a business case. <laughs> Um, we are a firm believer at Manhattan that uh, good ideas don't necessarily create uh, great solutions. You have to have compelling problems and, and real challenges to solve and, and a reason to jump in, especially as I think about um, a, a space as mature as allocation. These are, these are not new problems necessarily to be solved. But for us, the decision to jump into allocation was really fueled by the years of, of learnings that we've had as we've grown our omni-channel business. Okay. As we've watched retailers embrace new ways of engaging their customers and, and, and uh, getting their brand engaged by the, by the retail markets, 
um, we've understood that how they leverage inventory and the supplies that they have is fundamentally changed. And the realization uh, from our part was that the tools that many of them are using, because there's a lot of legacy tools in the, in the market space, um, were born essentially before Omni was ever was even a thing. Um, and, and a lot of those solutions certainly have evolved over the years, but the, the challenges and the nuances of managing inventory today are fundamentally different, even though at the end of the day, we're still talking about what supply goes where. Um, those systems, in our belief, needed a refresh. They needed fresh thinking. Yeah. They needed, a, they needed a, a little bit of a reboot. And as we watched during the pandemic, uh, as retailers struggled to be more agile and introduce new fulfillment options to, again, to take advantage of the supplies that they have, our belief was now's the time. And, uh, and, and we, we chose to jump into the allocation space. Now, one of the most common questions I've gotten is, well, why didn't you start with merchandise planning? That was going to be my question. Okay, I'm curious. Yeah, because that's the, fundamentally, I've seen that done so often through my history. Like, and yeah. like people are always focused on the planning side. But yeah, so why? So yeah, please go there. Yeah, well, that, and that was another debate, um, uh, of course, <laughs> as we looked at the, the overall footprint. But our belief is that if, if you if you look at retail, every retailer plans, and, and and we believe there's a reason why so many of them successfully plan on Excel. Um, mm. It's maybe not the most conducive tool necessarily, but it gets the job done. But mm. our belief primarily was that we can generate a much greater ROI uh, for for the business in terms of margin impact by focusing on allocation first. We felt the problem was was a bit more acute um, and and could drive a greater ROI. And and frankly. Once we had the building blocks in place for allocation, expanding beyond that to merchandise planning, if, if we so choose to do so, would be an easier step than, than going the other way. So that's a really important point. because, And that's that's partly why I wanted to have you on the program, too, was, was what you just said there. Because, you know, you're going to invest, you can invest all you want in the planning side of the business. But at the end of the day, nothing ever goes exactly to plan. And you're always going to have it doesn't it doesn't Ann. <laughs> seven years later working right. with me i think you're very fully aware of that one no but i mean it's a real thing and so yeah. basically what you're saying scott is there's always going to be issues particularly on the allocation side and the allocation system is what can optimize the performance on that at the back end so is that that's essentially what you're saying here right that's why you'd invest in one over the other yeah totally agree i mean if you if you look at again we we kind of molded our perspective on allocation based on lessons learned from order management. And if you look at order management systems mm -hmm. as good as they are and sophisticated as they are, one of the biggest constraints that they have to live with is where supply decisions um, have been made, oftentimes weeks to months ahead of actual selling beginning. And so our belief was if we can do a better job at aligning where that inventory is with how you're going to engage your customer, oftentimes which changes dramatically throughout the selling season, that again, we can do a much better job at, at driving real value for retail enterprises by doing so. And Scott, too, I should have probably done this in the beginning to define allocation too, in terms of what, what is within the scope and the universe of what we're talking about here. Sure. So at, at its basic level, allocation is about making the decision, where does the inventory go once I get it? Um, it's about how to best leverage what, what oftentimes, especially for short lifecycle apparel, footwear type retailers, mm -hmm. How do I best leverage the fixed supply that I have? I can't just go buy more because the selling mm. seasons are too short. So how can I best uh, determine where that supply should reside, both in the in my distribution centers as well as across my retail stores? 
Well, and Scott, let's dig a little bit deeper into that, especially for me. I mean, my background in retail was primarily in in in-store operations and the marketing side of things. But you talked a lot about how things have changed as far as allocation is concerned throughout the pandemic. So tell us a little bit more about what exactly we're talking about here with allocation and how you're updating these systems. Sure. There's a couple of big gaps that we see in the market. And um, one is just if you just focus on the retail store first, because when most people think allocation, they think about, all right, how much is going to each store and when? Right. Within the retail store, we now have lots of new experiences that we're trying to manifest. You know, pickup in store, curbside pickups, yep. you know, next day, same day, et cetera. Oftentimes, that's a very intentional strategy, trying to draw people into the store and give them a, a better experience you know, with your brand. Other times, it's, it's a reactive strategy. It's reacting to situations where I would have rather shipped it from the DC, but maybe the supply is not available, so let's ship from the store. Each of these nuances impacts demand and it needs to be considered when I'm thinking about supply. Um, and, and what we've seen is that a lot of the solutions that are in the market just don't look at the problem that way. And, right. and oftentimes it's because again, they were, they were built before these channels were as, as dominant as they are today. So that's a big driver. They, they just don't understand the nuances of, of each of those fulfillment decisions and how it should impact the intentional part of the allocation strategy. And Scott, is, sorry to interrupt you, but is that still being done then like via Excel spreadsheet? I mean, it seems like at the speed at which we're shopping now, like that seems like a very difficult thing for somebody to be handling without a, a platform in place. Yeah, more, more often than not, what we're seeing is the allocation decisions are not being made in Excel. A lot, a lot right. of the market is, in a, as, a, as I alluded to earlier, the market's kind of been dominated by solutions that were built, you know, oftentimes decades ago. Okay. And, and that's been more the mainstream just because there needed to be something a bit more robust sure. in place than an Excel spreadsheet, because these are solutions that determine not just where the supply goes at the beginning of the selling season, but each and every day I'm looking at how do I best optimize and replenish my store locations. But either way, yeah, they're, they're older systems that are not ready to, to flex at the speed at which retailers now need them to. And why is that, Scott? What is the fundamental gap there that prevents those systems from, you know, understanding ship from store, buy online, pick up in store, those dynamics that are now at play so much more since the pandemic? Yeah, there's a couple of things, Chris, that we're seeing. One is that uh, oftentimes the the sales that occur at the store level, whether that quote unquote sale is is the manifestation of a pickup in store or a ship from store, they're mm-hmm. often counted the same as a as a walk in retail experience. Mm-hmm. And again, oftentimes when when the retail is trying to shape their demand and shape their supply strategies, they're very intentional about how they're trying to drive that. And so, without being able to understand the, the distinct nuances of each of these sales experiences and the impact that that's anticipated to have it's really, really difficult to, to shape the supply. The, the other factor that we're seeing though, is that um, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes those sales strategies change, all right? And, and typically those, those decisions are being uh, managed and owned in the order management system as we're looking to activate new fulfillment experiences or maybe to shut things off temporarily because of a reaction to what's going on in the marketplace. Well, the allocators historically have had zero exposure to that. They really don't, they, because they're separate systems, separate teams, separate motivations. Uh, there's really no direct connection there to help them understand that, oh, we are shifting our strategy. Therefore, my replenishment strategy needs to change as well. So there's a level of depth of understanding and alignment that's just really difficult to achieve when you're dealing with two separate teams and two separate systems. Right. So so, so if I say that back to you, so 
So basically the, the allocation teams, particularly while they have the system, there's a blindness there that comes into play, particularly on the e-commerce side of things too. Like I imagine they, generally speaking, they, most retailers treat their e-commerce operation almost like another store, so to speak, right. in terms of how it looks at things. And so then as that sales data is coming through the system, it's, it's an effect taking inventory out of the store level by way of pickup in store, by ship from store, but the allocator might not be seeing it. Is that right? That's absolutely correct. And, and, and frankly, if you, if you look at the intentional versus the reactive side of that, that, that conversation, oftentimes we could have uh, achieved better results for the enterprise if I just allocated differently. So, so one, one aspect we've not really touched on yet is the question, which sounds simple, but how much do I hold back in the DC? Right. Well, if you look at a lot of these retailers, e-commerce is certainly one um, you know, big aspect of what's shaping their demand, but many of them are also, they have online marketplaces, they have B2B um, customers as well. So there's lots more channels, which creates a lot more complexity. All of that has to be factored into play when mm. you're figuring out, well, how much do I really need back in my DC versus how much need, you know, is available to go to my stores? And, and what a lot of retailers have been doing, um, and then this is this is driving another big opportunity for them, is to kind of shift from what used to be um, physical silos of, of supply. If you think back to the early days of e-commerce, that we'd spin up an e-commerce DC and we'd try to ship everything out of those facilities. Yep. Well, in today's world, many retailers have either already or, or, or on their journey to basically merge all that back because they realize they get a lot more agility, a lot more flexibility to use that supply in different ways if it's all physically you know, controlled under what we loosely refer to as a single pool of inventory. right? So, so if I've got a single pool of inventory, now the question is, well, how much do I need for that online marketplace? How much do I need for my B2B? And how much uh, can I use that to shape my demand for e-commerce? It's right. a much more complex question. Right. One other point you brought up too that I want to come back to is you, you, you've talked about OMS a few times. Like how important is the linkage between the order management system and the allocation system Good in question. what we're discussing? We think it's the secret sauce. Um, <laughs> yeah, me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's no longer a secret, but so, uh, it's um, when I mentioned earlier that, you know, some of the lessons learned was really the impetus for why we decided to jump into the allocation space. That was really it. We, we believed that, that order management can make better allocation, can make the allocation system smarter and vice versa. Right. The insights that That's we can gain from how the inventory is intended to be used and, and should be best used also makes order management decisions. So there's a nice little yin and yang you know, type relationship there that needs to be maintained. And that's not necessarily um, just a transactional you know, type model where we look at the, the, the output of an allocation system. What we really have you know, strive to achieve here is an understanding that when my selling strategy changed, the allocation system just understands that and, and can shift accordingly. When my merchandising teams are trying to do, make different decisions to better manage my supply, Likewise, the order management system is aware of that and at least understands um, as a starting point how that supply is intended to be leveraged and can, you know, at that point, it owns the decision to, to kind of break those rules if that's the right thing to do for the customer and the, and the consumer experience. But we need to achieve some level of alignment if we're right. really going to keep those systems in lockstep. And the other point I would add there too is your consumer preferences can change too. Mm -hmm. So you're aligned in terms of how you're going to deal with that. And that consumer preference can change in terms of the types of products they want 
or in terms of, as we saw during the pandemic really quickly, how people want to receive their goods. Yeah. And so that alignment is key to make sure that you're able to handle that as a retailer. Right. And that that moving front of funnel too, like making that decision right away. Right. Like I, I care about when I can pick this up first, not, you know, I'm willing to concede maybe on color or something if I can have that in my hand earlier in the day. Um, well, Scott, I'm curious, you know, what types of retailers is this best suited for? And what does that integration kind of look like? If you could take us kind of through that step-by-step. Sure. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing about allocation is, you know, I, we, we use the term short life cycle versus long life cycle in, internally. Okay. Uh, short life cycle retailers Explain tend that. to be best for allocation models. And by short life cycle, I tend to mean retailers whose assortment is, is heaviest weighted towards products that are likely going to be around for a selling season, and then they're gone and they may not ever come back. They'll be replaced by other styles next selling season. So fashion, apparel, footwear tend to be the better example. Um, there are other examples, you know, grocers certainly have products that they allocate um, as well as other retailers, but within almost every retailer on the planet, they're always, there's always a mix, even with the you know fast fashion retailers. Yep. They have their basics, right? Which mm-hmm. which are not necessarily short life cycle, and so that does create a, a bit more of an interesting challenge there. Um, in terms of the integration, um, the integration has always been the long pole in the tent with these types of projects because we've got to get the data in in order to be able to do the right kind of optimization. Right. One of the things that we've tried to do to, to mitigate as much of that as possible. Obviously, the the underlying architecture is, is a big part of just trying to make it easy to move data in, in interesting and modern ways. Trying to make move away from the batch oriented models of historic allocation systems, ours is real time. Um, But we've also designed, intentionally designed, um, some capabilities there that benefit our order management customers in a nice way. We share master data like items and locations, just so if you're already using our order management system, we have a lot of that master data that's required to get the system up and running. Um, so you're, you're absolutely right to ask that question in, in the sense that it, it tends to be one of the, the, the more difficult aspects of these projects. Um, but we've tried to take you know, as many pains as we can to make it as easy as possible just to get the system stood up in a way that's going to drive immediate value. Scott, one question going back to integration too, because I remember this from my, my gap days and even some of my target days too, to a degree. But I always remember that um, the visual UI of understanding the effectiveness of my decisions as an allocator was always a tough thing. And it was always a, it was always a linchpin too, in the, in the integration conversations too, as you're trying to get this thing stood up, like how, how am I seeing what I'm doing? And people always, we know have can be very particular about what they want to see. And, you know, especially as they're adopting a new tool, have you found that retailers like are focused on that too? Like, are, are they, are they trying to get a better sense of, of understanding the actual effectiveness of their allocation decisions. Cause a lot of times to me in my history, it felt like that sometimes happened in a black box and it wasn't very well understood. And it was just kind of said, Oh, he's a good allocator. She's a good, bad allocator, vice versa. But seriously, I'm like, that's how it happened. Like there was no real good rubric to tell me who was doing the job. Well, right. The question should be, should a human even be doing it? Mm-hmm. Which is another thing, right? But the human is managing it regardless. So who is managing the system the best? Are you seeing retailers? My question is, long-winded question. Are you seeing retailers start to focus on that more? I'm curious, like how, do, how are they thinking about that? They, they certainly are, Chris. Uh, and, th- and there's a couple of dimensions, to, to, I think, to that question. Um, one, the visual aspect of, of enterprise applications, the bar the bar has been continually raised. I mean, everybody wants a more consumer-friendly experience. So underlying, yes, 
the UI has to be fantastic. Right. But, Gives goes without saying. Right. Right. Well, so my experience dates back to uh, back to my 27 plus years. When I first started, green screen was all the rage, and, yep. and everybody was so proud of the keyboard buffering. And and we still have customers to this day that that cling to that experience for for all the right reasons. Um, but if you look at just the class of worker, there's workers that are coming into the market today, um, it's very difficult to sell those types of systems, even if the, some of the, the underlying pennings of it are, are highly robust and efficient. You just can't sell a college student on that being a, a, an experience that they want to you spend day to day working on. So that's one challenge. Um, but the other challenge and, and one of the things that we've worked really hard to achieve is that we understand historically allocators spend a lot of time allocating and then they spend a lot of time doing offline analytics and reports and how's my performance yeah. and, and so forth. And so what we've tried to do is to fuse those two worlds as much as possible. So there's lots of embedded data visualization and analytics that are built into the system. Um, now, one of the points that you made uh, is absolutely true. You know, should the user be doing this or not? So you also kind of have to balance that with a, with a healthy amount of automation so that they don't necessarily have to spend all their time um, reviewing allocations and looking at quantities. And is, you know, do I want four units here or, or you know, would three be better? However, we realize most users are going to start that way, even if they build up to the you know, fully automated you know, versions of the system, they're going to start with hands-on and they, and they mm -hmm. want as much information at their fingertips, right. uh, oftentimes kind of looking way beyond the allocation, but helping to understand what's the underlying impact on margin, on you know, historical trends and so forth. And do I just feel like the system is generating an allocation result that, that makes sense? Yeah, right. The illusion of control is as important as being in control in, in the yeah. example that you're describing here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Scott, I'm curious if there's anyone that you're working with that's doing this really well. Do you have any yeah. case studies or anecdotes that you can share around successes that that retailers or brands have had when they're taking this approach? Yeah, so, so we're getting there. Um, th this is the newest part of our inventory portfolio. So we, we are working with our, our early on implementations of the solution. And, and I certainly hope to have more hard evidence and in uh, KPIs and case studies later on this year. I'm currently working with Scotch and Soda on, on an implementation yeah. that I think is going to be a fantastic story. Um, so we're, we're, we're close. I don't have the hard metrics just yet. But, but I will say that, um, and some of this is, um, maybe it was because we had such a great conversation at NRF, Chris, I'm not sure, but we had a, <laughs> a nice uh, burst in, in, um, in market response you know, this year. Uh, lots right. of activity constantly getting out in front of uh, the retail market to share the solution. And the feedback and the response has been generally really strong, mm -hmm. um, not just to the look and feel, but to the underlying philosophies that we've, that we've used to approach this space. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's been really encouraging to see, because as I said, I, I love to deliver solutions that we're proud of, but drive real value. And, uh, so far the market response has been really good. And Scott, I'm curious, as you hear from the market, like, what are they, what are they saying like to you? Like, okay, you know, in general, like this is really helping us, you know, do better at this. Mm -hmm. Well, in, in a lot of cases, it's directly attributed to sales. I mean, the basics it's sales and margin. Yeah. Um, and, and now the other challenge that we've seen, though, and, and some of the reasons why we, I think we've gotten a good response, goes back to that single pool of inventory, because there's still retailers okay. that are still on that journey. And one of the things, and, and frankly, 
We talked about integration being a long pole in the tent to these, these implementations. Change management as re, with regard to changing how they think about allocation is proving also to be a, you know, one of the big mm -hmm. hurdles that has to be carefully managed. So as an example, you know, as, as some of the, the folks that we're working with are still kind of going through the nuances of, of, of a single pool of inventory. They kind of got the execution side in the warehouse down, but what does that mean from, you know, tracking finances and sales? And my buy plan was a little different. So, you know, so who really gets that supply? Um, and so, so those are some of the challenges that people are looking to us to help solve is to help them better understand how do I really want to segment a virtual segmentation of that single pool of inventory and how can we do that in more intelligent ways? And in a lot of, in a lot of cases, as, as strong as the response has been for the system, a lot of it comes back to our system can solve that and do a better job at, at shaping the supply picture for the stores as well. Got it. I'm glad I asked that. That single pool, the single pool of inventory, that's what I'm trying to say, Anne, yes. uh, also said as, uh, <laughs> is very key. And I'm, very, I'm glad you brought that up too. That's what yeah. I was hoping you would say. All right, cool. So let's get you out of here on this, Scott. Um, we always like to end. We always like to peer into the future. So what's the next big innovation when it comes to something as cool as I like to talk about? Yeah, what's going to replace Excel spreadsheets yeah, 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 next, Scott? Yeah, what's the next innovation in allocation system design? Where's this going next? Yeah, so I can't give away all my secrets. Oh, but, come on. Uh, yes, you can. It's OmniTalk, you... Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just OmniTalk. Just your, just your like thousands of closest friends want to know. Exactly. Well, so I'll give you a couple a couple of thoughts on that. Um, one is I still think there's a lot of runway at, at better aligning how we sell with how we with how we make allocation decisions. I, I feel strongly about the, the work that we've done, but there's still lots and lots of great use cases uh, on the horizon that we're working on and thinking about to ensure that that's that's rock solid. The next uh, other big, uh, I, I guess, venue that we've been looking at is to expand that ecosystem a bit further and start mm -hmm. thinking about how the physical execution side of the supply chain, uh, the transportation and operations and, and, and so forth, how those can be better leveraged to help shape uh, the overall allocation strategy um, so that the overall enterprise is, is running much more efficient and cost effective uh, in, in a more holistic fashion. So those are just a few of the things that have been you know, sitting, on the, sitting on our roadmap and thinking about for some time now. Awesome. Yeah, that's very impressive, Scott. Um, thank you so much for sitting down with us for appeasing Chris and his his retail want question. I know I have so many questions mine. still going, but I, I think know. they're just too like low level detail for me to ask them. I just need like a cocktail, some alone time, and Scott's just going to get a like, room. Get pepper. <laughs> yes, get a room. Um, well, thank you, Scott. Again, that was so fun and so insightful. If people heard this today, they joined us live on LinkedIn. Um, they want to get in touch with you and learn more about Manhattan. What is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, definitely check out uh, manh.com as, as a great uh, source to get started. And of course, feel free to reach out and connect over LinkedIn. Be happy to happy to carry on the conversation. That wraps us up. Thanks to Scott Fenwick of Manhattan Associates for sitting down with us today. Thanks to all of you for listening and joining in. And as always, on behalf of all of us here at Omnitalk, be careful out there.